On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Craig Lewis, and he is a Pinterest marketing specialist and founder of Pin and Grow, an agency that helps e-commerce owners scale their businesses through two main advertising strategies, paid and organic. In 2019, he attended a mastermind in Thailand, which helped him enhance his professional life by creating the successful content and marketing agency dedicated to e-commerce brands. In 2021, his company became one of the very few Pinterest-approved partners in the world, allowing him to offer unique customized services to e-com owners using Pinterest. Craig and his team of specialists are ready to show e-com businesses new ways to achieve their full potential, helping them increase sales and build authority with this often overlooked and underutilized growth platform. Now it's time for the marketing essentials, the basics that you need to help you build your brand and your bottom line. So what I wanted to talk about today, leaders are readers and marketing leaders are readers too. And so I wanted to just share with you some of the books that we have curated in our library, if you will. We've got lots of books that we read, Uh, but I wanted to just kind of give some shout outs to some of the books that I think that you need to have on your bookshelf and on your nightstand and to look at. So um, number one is Social Nomics by Eric Qualman. And by the way, I did get to interview him on a podcast a while ago. So go back and look for that episode, but Social Nomics and how social media transforms the way we live and do business by Eric. Qualman. And another one is The Focus Project by Equal Man or Eric Qualman. The Focus Project, The Not-So-Simple Art of Doing Less by Eric Qualman. Then, of course, a goodie but oldie and classic that you uh, need to have in your bookshelf is The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. Violate them at your own risk uh, by Al Rees and Jack Trout, uh, authors of the bestseller Positioning as well. And then, of course, another book that you might want to consider having on your bookshelf is uh, by Simon Sinek, Start With Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action. And then we've got The Complete Leader by Ron Price and Randy Lisk. And this, of course, there's Ron's been on our podcast. He's a mentor leader. He's also a client of ours and founder, CEO of Price Associates. And now he's moved on to TTI and emotional intelligence. Uh, Anyway, so The Complete Leader, everything you need to become a high performing leader. And I went through the cohort class and went through this book uh, with him and Highly recommend it. Another one is Game Storming, a playbook for innovators, rule breakers, and change makers. And this one I use all the time, either with my crew here at Peppershock or as I am teaching at Boise State. Uh, but it's a lot of different ways to use gameplay in what you're doing. If you're building a culture, if you're teaching, if you are a leader of your marketing department, whatever the case might be. But this is full of different activities that you can do to help brainstorm and come up with a variety of different ways to engage your crew or your team, whatever the case might be. And then speaking of team, another one is Caffeine for the Creative Team, 150 Exercises to Inspire Group Innovation. So Caffeine for the Creative Team. And by the way, we actually have uh, several of these books listed uh, on Peppershock.com under the Pepper Shop. (laughs) That's P-E-P-P-E-R-S-H-O-P. So go to peppershock.com slash about slash 
Pepper Shop. And we've got lots of those books listed there for you. But uh, like I said, leaders are readers. And if you are either taking it in through an audiobook, uh, we used to call them book on tape, remember that? <laughs> For those of you who remember what those were called. But having an audiobook or some sort of audio, like Audible or any of those that you can play the books and listen to them in your car, just like you listen to this podcast right now, right? And being able to have those resources and learning and just understanding and continuously reading as much as you can, when you can, will help elevate your business in one way or another. It'll help elevate your marketing and your budget and your planning and all the things that you're doing and thinking how you can move the needle in one way or another, whether it's in your leadership style, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your marketing strategy, whatever the case might be, these are some books that you can lean on to have on your bookshelf and look at and reference as needed. So peppershock.com slash about slash peppershop to get your books now. And now let's get into our interview with Craig. You're in for a lot of interest in Pinterest. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest, we have Craig Lewis with us. Welcome to the show, Craig. Hi, thank you for, uh, yeah, thank you for asking me to be here. And yeah, I'm super excited to share what is that we've learned over the last couple of years with, with Pinterest, with, with the audience. So yeah, uh, excited to be here today. Absolutely. Okay. But first, before we get to Pinterest, I always like to ask a little bit more about you and what got you to where you are and uh, where you're at now, which I think is fascinating. And of course, your accent gives us a little bit of a a, a prelude to that. So share a little bit about yourself first, Craig. Yeah, thanks. Um, Yeah, that's an awesome place to start. So yeah, I'm originally from uh, Wales in the UK. it's quite interesting, like not many people from Wales tend to do this type of stuff. Like we, I've been traveling, like we le- I left the UK in 2017 uh, for Southeast Asia, <clears throat> Europe, and then uh, back to the UK for a while. And I've still not met any Welsh people uh, on my travel since. So there's like a small percentage of us that seem to do this type of stuff. Um, I'm still waiting to meet someone from Wales, which would be interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I left the UK in 2017 uh, after graduating uh, from university when I was a mature student at the age of, I can't remember the age, 31, 32. Um, the intention was uh, to be a strength and conditioning coach uh, and sports scientist. The, d- the degree went well, finished with a first class honours, but the roles that came after it uh, they didn't align with um, what I wanted and they didn't work out for whatever reason. And then I basically made a decision along with my girlfriend that I would never allow somebody else to be in that much influence of my path. And from around that period, I decided to basically uh, make my own path, like make my own path in, in terms of what I want to do. We sold everything in the UK. Um, we sold everything, give the keys back to the apartment, sold our cars, sold all our clothes, 
um, and bought a one-way ticket to Thailand. And that was in uh, the middle of 2017. We started our own uh, first online companies, uh, learned a ton of stuff, like went into it very naive, like didn't quite know what we were doing, but we learned a ton of stuff. And yeah, went back to the UK, traveled around Europe for a bit. Um, that first company didn't work out, but what I'd learned in the process was at as I didn't realize at the time, but it was quite a unique skill. And this was feedback I had from people. And fast forward to 2019, I was in a mastermind. And essentially, the people in the mastermind said, you've learned something. And if you ever want to help other business owners with Pinterest, uh, we would be interested. And yeah, by the end of that mastermind, I had an agency with Pinterest. And from there, it's kind of snowballed on so yeah i've been traveling around southeast asia building my agency over the last two and a half years and now i'm currently full-time living in uh, bali since january 2020 and i i can i call it bali home now because yeah we have a long-term visa here and we also have a joint business between uh, my girlfriend and i that's actually located in bali as well so I just am fascinated with your journey that you've taken so far. And, and so why, why do you want to stay in Bali? What makes you want to stay there? Yeah, it's a good question. There's like, there are obviously many different places that are all like uh, island style, like there's plenty of places, but I don't know, there's something quite unique about Bali. And I think if anyone's ever been here, they'll probably know what I mean I can't quite put it into words I think it's the mix of the international culture blended with the Balinese culture it's just I don't know it's just really nice um the beaches are amazing it's very chilled it's not hectic there are some busy parts of Bali but around the coasts in the certain in certain neighborhoods it's just nice like it's like it's bub- it's like a bubble <laughs> from the rest of the world. Everyone's driving around with scooters, going surfing, back and forth to the beaches. Just yeah, That's drinking coffees. Yeah, yes. it's a nice, <laughs> nice for sure. So, uh, do you work from home or do you work from an office setting, Craig? I yeah. When I first came, I moved around some co-working spaces for a while, um, mm-hmm. but I never really and I did that pretty much in 2017, 18 and 19. And I never enjoyed it that much. Um, It can get a bit busy. Bali can get really, really hot, uh, especially. And when we had the opportunity to move into the the villa or the house that we're in now, uh, one of the things we decided on was to have a dedicated office so that we can just, yeah, it's just comfy. Just have nice AC, don't get too hot. Yeah. Um, yeah, and get to do like things like this, like podcasts, yeah. and yeah, it's just it's just a uh, for me it was it's just a nicer way to uh, to speak to people, and I, I just feel calmer at home rather than uh, in co-working spaces. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, so you're in Bali, you get to work from home from the comfort of your own home now, and yeah. uh, so tell me about your day. What is it that you do with your time? How do you make magic happen? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I obviously the time zones in Bali are very different to the US. Most of our clients are in the US. M- most of my team is in 
Europe and Canada and some in Asia. And, and so my day is split a lot. Right, <laughs> I do, right. I do a big portion of my day from around half five in the morning till around half 10, 11. Um, around 11, I'll go to uh, the gym and I'll stay in the gym for a while. If it's not too hot, like we'll go to the beach, we'll just go to like some restaurants and cafes and then I'll pick back up again uh, work-related things in the week around 4 p.m. when my team in Europe come come online. Um, and then depending on like what else happens, that work period can be between four, sometimes eight, but then sometimes, I know we spoke a little bit earlier, sometimes a little bit later with, with sales calls and, and some client calls. But typically that's, that's kind of like my average like work day and then the weekends uh yeah we tend to have off tend to visit uh some of the beaches and some of the other places around bali um yeah and just take it easy <laughs> right well like in mexico they take a siesta when it gets really hot in the afternoon and it just yeah. kind of shuts down and then it comes to life again after it cools off and into the yeah. evening i get that for sure so you get to have a little nap time in the afternoon yeah. if you wanted <laughs> yeah i mean right now yeah. it's um it's supposed to be rain, rainy season supposed to have finished um but it's in a weird transition where it's going from the rain finishing and it's super hot temperatures so mm -hmm. to be honest i haven't been out uh of the house between 12 and 2 recently because it's just it's just too hot so i'm like yeah. i'm just gonna stay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that must be nice it's raining here but it's you know 40 degrees as opposed to you know hot so i get that yeah. for sure <laughs> well and like you said you know your time your time frames are different it's 6 a.m your time and, yeah. and it's 4 p.m my time so yeah. i get it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks by the way time. for getting up so early for me for yeah. sure <laughs> So, okay, so let's talk a little bit more about what you and your team do for your clients that are based pretty much all over the world, but you said US based as well. Um, you know, obviously there's lots of us uh, that are listening that can get good tips and some information um, from some of the things that you've learned and some best practices and, you know, obviously not give away all the farm because that's what you do for, for your clients. But what are some what are some good uh, tips that you can share with us for our listeners to glean from that might be if they're thinking about, you know, getting into Pinterest or, you know, the different areas that you focus on? Uh, what are some kind of some considerations to think about? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um... So the first thing I would say is before I get into the tips and like how to like best practices, a common yeah. like misconception or a common issue that comes up is most people that we work with before we start working with them and just people that we speak to in general who are interested in Pinterest, they assume that Pinterest is a social media platform but it's actually a search engine and they've some, some of them have attempted to use Pinterest in the past, but they approach it like a, a social media platform and not a search engine. So I think it's important to like lay that bit out from the beginning. And I think if anyone listening to this goes and uses Pinterest, approach it with the mindset of keywords and ranking, and you'll be way better positioned for results than you would if you were to look for likes and just other stuff that doesn't matter that much compared to the keywords and the, the SEO. Mm -hmm. um, that's the organic side. It's like the difference. Um, 
And with the paid advertising, the paid advertising managers undergone a very big upgrade in the last 12 months. There's some very interesting features on there now that are working really, really well for us and our clients. One of them is retargeting. The retargeting uh, options working super well. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about the details like and how people can get, get started with that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of uh, the organic, um, something that we've tested, and again, I don't know if this is common knowledge, this is just something that we've seen internally over the last nine months or so, but around, I want to say April, May last year, um, we were using scheduling tools for all of our clients, mostly because it makes things more streamlined. Right. And this would have been like May of 2021, essentially at the time of our recording here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's the the schedulers we were using, they were all like Pinterest approved. They weren't Mm -hmm. apps that you couldn't use. Pinterest were very much saying, no, this is fine. We can use these particular apps. I won't mention it in case like other people are using it, but as a blanket statement, we stopped using all scheduling tools because it looked like anything that was going out through a scheduling tool mm-hmm. um, to Pinterest was being suppressed. So you couldn't, the reach was like dropping dramatically. Um, the clicks were dropping. Basically everything that you need to grow was dropping. But the interesting wow. thing was it didn't, at the beginning, it didn't drop like off a cliff. Mm. It kind of dropped like fractions of percentage each day. Mm-hmm. And then when we took a look, this was in April, May, by the time the summer run around, things were dropping a lot. And this was across 95, 99% of our clients' accounts. It was very odd we were trying to work out what was going on. And then to compound that, sometimes in the summer, uh, Pinterest can be a little bit uh, low in terms of engagement and traffic anyway. That's kind of like... Um, a trend that we've seen like over the last couple of years. So we still couldn't make a direct call. We didn't know if this was just something that was happening because it was summer or whatever. But then when we came out of summer last year, it was super clear that uh, something was up. And then we started to test different things. And eventually we just pulled all of the clients off all scheduling tools. Um, And all of a sudden within uh, six, seven months, we're now at higher traffic organically than we were previously before they dropped. So we switched everything from scheduling tools over yeah. to manually pinning. But Pinterest does have um, its own scheduling capabilities. You can post 14 days at uh, um, uh, in advance. You can use times, dates, all of that good stuff. So you still don't have the ability to plan like months in advance but you can do two weeks at a time and that's working that working really, really well for us. And it's made a huge difference. So to use the inherent scheduling tool within Pinterest, not an, a third party scheduling tool. I see. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Why would they suppress it? I guess it's probably because they want you to use their own and be inside of the the app as opposed to just scheduling it, maybe. Or I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it makes sense, but Yeah, we, we came up with a few ideas. Um the first is that 
they want people on the platform even if it's creators they still want you on the platform mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to because it, there was a period where you didn't need to log into pinterest you didn't need to log into pinterest at all because you could just put everything into tailwind right they just they want to suck you in so that you get trapped inside pinterest for hours and hours <laughs> exactly so that that was that was the biggest uh not the biggest that was like the one we leaned to the most it just made sense even though it didn't make sense. Um, but we, we think it was just they, they actually want people engaging and being on the platform rather than using something uh, external that you didn't even need to log into Pinterest for. Again, this is just our findings. Somebody else may say like it didn't happen, but at the time we were, we were seeing like anything from 50 to 60, 70 different clients' accounts back when this was happening, like all following the same trend. And then when we pulled them all, they all followed the same upward trend. Again, it might have been a huge coincidence, uh, but the volume of uh, accounts this was happening to it just it means we just had to do something. We had to figure out what was going on because mm-hmm. we couldn't like that. Um, so I think that's a a, a good uh, tip to yeah. for someone using the organic for sure. Um, the other one is. Pinterest changed a couple of times last year. And one of the main changes, which I actually think has benefited content creators and e-commerce brands definitely uh, in particular, is actually two, two things I think have helped. The first is um, you can only now, you can you cannot do this, and that's entirely up to you uh, and whoever does this, but we only pin the same pin once. So we, before, like, and we, we, I did this myself in 2017, 2018, beginning of 2019, you could recycle the same content over and over and over again. If you had a really viral pin, you could easily just pin it again and it would go again. Go again, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. It would continue, continue, continue. Um, that's gone, like totally gone. If you were to continue doing that, uh, that strategy, uh, it's very, a couple of things would happen. First off, that pin would decline dramatically. Then the, if you continue to do that, hoping the more I pin, the bigger it will go, uh, it's very likely the account will get shut down. Wow. Um, that, that process is kind of not available anymore. We just pin one pin once to the most suitable, relevant board on Pinterest. Um, and that's working well. I actually think it's adding, that's added value to the platform. You don't see this, the same stuff being regurgitated constantly on the platform. You actually see new ideas, which from a user perspective, from Pinterest eyes is like, this is exactly like what we want to do. Um, this is exactly what we think is, is adding value to the, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> to the user. And now a word about our sponsor, Abriva. Abriva is a 100% free-to-use app that uses data science and machine learning to track your everyday habits and lets you know what you are doing well in areas that span across health, finances, career, relationships, and the community. And in the process, your insurance covers grows weekly with your positive habits, but never decreases for less than ideal ones. We've been using the Abriva app and it's 100% free and it's really awesome. It improves your well-being and rewards up to $11,000 in life and medical insurance at no cost to you. Go to peppershock.com offers to find out more. 
So we, so do you think then, so you said the same content, so can you use the same image, but then different verbiage that goes along with it and that's okay. Or if you use the same image twice, then that's a no, no. Yeah. Good question. So to give you an idea for some of our clients, we create, uh, anything from a hundred pins to 150 pins per month. Um, what we tend to do is we tend to make anything from three to 10 images per piece of content. And we will publish those in a month. The difference is we will use the same image, but we will change the entire look of it. We will move the text to the bottom if it's at the top. Um, we will change the text. We will add a subtitle in. Um, they're a very, they're a, if you have a good de design team or a good if you're a good designer yourself, you can have the same image and just do multiple different things with it. So you don't necessarily need to constantly all of the time but it does need to be different whether it's colors fonts text size position style like all of that stuff is going to matter um but yeah we we create multiple pins uh per piece of content and we will publish all of those within uh the same 30-day period um but yeah you can create various different iterations the issue comes with and like again we did this into 2017 and 2018 you could see a pin that was viral on Pinterest. You could just go log into the to the app on your phone and you can just start to pin that pin from within Pinterest and it would be fine. Like it would actually work. It would maybe even increase like uh, the reach of some of the viral pins. But yeah, you can't do any of that now. Wow. <laughs> just pin the pin, pin, the pin once, uh, pin it to one board, the most relevant, and then relax. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Continue to do this. Yeah. It's pretty amazing though, that Pinterest has figured out if you've used the same image more than once, right? I mean, if it's in the same position and, and, you know, I guess artificial intelligence and other, I don't know, recognition, like facial recognition, but for pens, you know, it's just crazy how it's determined how this can, can be this way. I mean, I think you're right though. I think it is good for content creators and, you know, makes it value to them for sure. Yeah. yeah. Just to give you an idea um, of how much the algorithm or the AI has changed on Pinterest, um, it, re it now scans images and text. Like it knows exactly what it is. And to, to give you some context and, and your audience some context, mm -hmm. this happens particularly in fashion because fashion uh, creators don't always want to put text on their images because the images are nice. They have very high quality photo shoots. So I understand it's not the best thing to do. It is a good idea to put text on in a subtle way. But to like give an example of um, the AI, Pinterest will know exactly what color the dress is for example like and we've tested this because we wanted to see if it was a fake but it knows the style of the dress so it knows the style of the dress style. and it knows it the color of the dress and uh, it, it will put this into different categories within pinterest so let's say so the one example i'm thinking of was when while i was testing this and why i was speaking to my team with this it was um a, fee, a women's black cocktail dress and you when you clicked on it there was no text there's no descriptions and it was a list of all women's black uh cocktail dresses and then it got me thinking like, is this one a one-off or is it across the platform right. and then i just looked i looked in different categories i looked everywhere even down to pet products with no text it knew that it was a pet product it knew that it was 
um, a health supplement or a food supplement without any text having been on it. So it's possible that it's, it's definitely scanning the image, but it's also possible that it's understanding the link that it's linked to on Shopify or someone's uh, website. So it, it's definitely changed and advanced like a lot. <laughs> well, yeah. And you said that, you know, if you think of Pinterest as a search engine, I mean, next to Google, having images that you can search this way, I mean, it's it's a great way to think about how you can now search all of the images on Pinterest and find what you're looking for. Yeah, that to total sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing on the organic, which is really helpful and definitely something for anyone looking to start with Pinterest or looking to maybe revamp like their strategy, they've recently pushed an, a new feature. It, they, it used to be called, I never remember the old name, story pins. And now it's called an idea pin. And if anyone doesn't know what this is, the, the equivalent that I can provide is, it's the same as a Facebook and Instagram story. So effectively uh, Pinterest has these now. And you can make them videos, you can make them slides, and that's good. Uh, but I, we like the upgraded version of this because you can add a clickable link to a product. So if you're selling products on Pinterest, you can add a link and you don't need certain followers or any of that stuff. I know in some Instagram got rid of that, but you don't need to have, there's no threshold for anyone to put these in. So if someone's looking at your idea pin, they can click that link and it will take them to the product, which is amazing. On top of that, because it's a new feature, they seem to be promoting this quite wildly. So the ability to grow a new account is at a faster rate is probably a good idea to focus on those first mm -hmm. over uh, standard images. It doesn't necessarily continue like that once you've kind of aged as an account, but for a new account, focusing on idea pins is, is a great strategy. And how long can the videos be? Are they limited on how long the time frames are or is it unlimited? Or, I mean, I'm sure they'll cut you off at some point, but what's the time frame? Actually, we have never tested the threshold. So I don't want to say a number. We tend yeah. to keep them around 30 seconds that because yeah, just most people's attention is not. <laughs> You're not going to get much longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we just from day one, we just said keep them as clean, as crisp, and as short as possible with the given context, because I don't know how many people would watch like a minute past. I think they're a minute. Um, I may be totally wrong, but yeah, we we've just capped it uh, when sweet. possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. short and sweet. Yeah. So wait, give me an example of a Pinterest video that you've put onto the idea, uh, idea pen. <laughs> yeah. I almost said idea real, but that wasn't right either. <laughs> idea pen. Yeah. So yeah. Give me an example. Yeah. That's a good question. So we, we tested tons of stuff. So an idea that somebody could use is, uh, to take some user generated content. So somebody using, uh, that's provided a testimonial for you and have that as the video. So you just have someone speaking into it and then you can have uh, some text overlay and then you can have, once the, the testimonial is finished, you can have your product image. So testimonials work well, uh, lifestyle uh, videos work really, really well, providing it has context to the thing that you're talking about. Obviously, if you have something that's irrelevant, it's not gonna probably perform that well. 
Um, but yeah, user-generated content, so like testimonials and people using products, that, that works quite well. Um, we've tried uh, slides, like a slideshow. Uh, so we have like three or four different slides. Like the active, actually the best way to describe this is three or four pins. So you'd have three or four pins that tell a story. We've not seen those work that well. Maybe somebody else has, but we've seen video and people speaking quite close to the video that work quite well. I guess the same style would be an equivalent of, like we don't use TikTok, it's not something I actually use, but I know how the videos look on TikTok. That, that carryover seems to work quite well on Pinterest idea pins for sure. Right, but the nice thing about idea pins, like you said, is you can put in a clickable link in the video itself, right? I mean, that's a great tool to have. And, you know, it, it used to be that YouTube you know, before they started allowing you to have clickable links in the videos, it's, it was a cool new way to be able to showcase your product with video at the same time and not have to say, click the link below or in the show notes or anything. It's just right there, interactive. And, you know, like you said, when you click on the link, it opens up a new tab to where you can then see whatever that product was. And ideally, then it'll let you go back to where you were before because they don't want you to necessarily leave Pinterest. It'll open the new window or new tab or, you know, if you're on your mobile device, right? Yeah. I, so I haven't tested this in the phone on the mobile for a while, but when you're on the desktop or laptop, what it does when you click the link, it opens up a new window. So you just keep the, uh, the original right. uh, path that you took up mm-hmm. on the phone I'm guessing it would be the same I haven't tested this for a while um but I'm, they never go into send you out of Pinterest even when you click an when you click a normal pin you don't actually leave Pinterest you're still within it's it still in the just, frame of it but, I gotcha yeah. I see yeah well that makes sense because yeah they don't want you to leave so why would they want you to leave <laughs> same reason why they don't want you to you know uh reuse the same things they want you to stay in and, and scheduling too you know they want you to stay in and be consumed by Pinterest I love it <laughs> so okay so um think about when uh somebody is thinking okay all right you've convinced me I need to use Pinterest uh, and you you mentioned, you know, start with the idea pens. What are some other things that people need to consider when wanting to bring their product or service to Pinterest? What's going to be, uh, from a business perspective, helpful t- for them to know before they start into this new endeavor for them? Yeah. Yeah. So a good point for someone to start before uh, creating idea pens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think... Um, one of the things, there's a couple of things to do. First, you want to see is your product and service, does it already exist on Pinterest? Um, and you can, there are a number of ways you can do that. You can just take a look on Pinterest and just type in some product phrases, some services that you will link to, uh, that you promote or you sell, and just see what's, what's the demand look like. Like, is it very active? Is there nothing at all? Um, you can also analyze the different formats of content that pop up, like, is it good content? Is it very uh, amateur content in terms of it doesn't look great? There are, like the the approach we take is, we would prefer to see a healthy amount of competition on Pinterest for our clients, because that tells us it's an in-demand product and service. That's not to say 
if you don't find anything, it's not worth doing because you might have just found a really good platform that's underutilized and you just might be at the right place at the right time to do this. It, that will, that I guess would go back to how much does the individual believe in their product and service. At the end of the day, like Pinterest is growing, it's a, bit, it's a decent sized platform. I think everyone's audience is probably there, but the volume of that audience is obviously going to wildly differ. Um, that would be a good starting point. Let's just look to see, is it a healthy competition? What's the standard of the competition? Because you, there's competition and then there's competition. <laughs> um, and there's obviously different degrees of that. So I look at the images, like do they make nice images? Does the design look nice? Does it pop on the feed? Does it make you want to look at it? Um, you know what this is called, right? It's it's R and D, not necessarily research and discovery, but rip off and duplicate, <laughs> but change to make it your own, right? You can get inspired by other people's Pinterest, right? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, like if you are looking on the feed and you're seeing the same kinds of themes in terms of design for specific products and niches. That's a big indicator that this is the type of content or style of content that performs well. So it makes sense to at least take inspiration from how it looks rather than creating and reinventing the wheel and just starting from scratch. Just take what's there, make it your own, make it unique and brand that and link that to your site. Um, that's definitely a great place to start. Uh, the other is use the feed, uh, the search option and just start putting keywords through and see what kind of a uh, list that comes up. You can do the, uh, Google offers the same option, just do the same as you would in Google on Pinterest. Um, and that will give you an idea. So is it a large alternative? Are people looking for products related to your terms? Are they looking for solutions to keywords? It just gives you an idea for content creation, how to present your services and products. Um, yeah, they, and that's very like, basic but that will give you a real good insight into uh, what is available and this this last bit doesn't always apply to uh, service providers or content creators but it does for anyone that has a, a product a physical product or an info product um, is the blue check if you see a blue tick that means that account is a verified merchant and typically uh, accounts that are verified merchant, not always, but most of the time, are doing a couple of things. One, they are probably selling products and they're probably active and they're most likely running ads. So there's a, it's kind of a, a nice indicator. Obviously, this isn't accurate all of the time, but it is a nice indicator as to say, well, you have uh, 10 competitors that all have this blue tech that's probably like a viable product or service to to explore a bit more on Pinterest for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's a, a great way to go about it. I mean, obviously, if you find a competitor that you want to emulate or get inspiration from, I mean, that's the, the one hand is it's going to be highly competitive. But on the other hand, it's a good way to at least understand what's working and what's not working. And then, you know, carve your own path, make your own way right in through uh, this whole marketing journey that we're going on, right? Yeah. I mean, I know of these. This isn't these aren't clients that we worked with, but in 2017 and 18, I knew directly knew people that ventured onto Pinterest 
when there was no demand for the thing they had. They just did it anyway. And now some of those people that I remember from 2017 and 2018, they're some of the biggest, uh, I say authority, but some of the biggest uh, Pinterest accounts on the platform for those niches. They just built the audience themselves. They didn't right. look at searches. They didn't look at product viability. They just did it anyway <laughs> because she mm-hmm. believed that's where the one woman in particular, she believed that's where her audience was. Roll on five years later, six years later, and it's it's an enormous account that drives hundreds wow. and hundreds yeah. of thousands of visitors. And she had no proof of concept. She had no path to follow. She just positioned herself and just made content. Silly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, just put it silly. on. And, and the right yeah. people came. And then all yeah. of a sudden, now you go on Pinterest, you see all of the search terms that are related to her content. So okay. yeah, it depends on what's the word? Uh how stubborn you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well and and to that point, though, I mean, that's a good example to to just remind people that it's not going to be a sprint. It's going to, you know, it's going to be a longer marathon. It's going to take longer to build and grow, especially if it's organic and you're not necessarily paying to play, right? There's, you know, other tactics about advertising on Pinterest. Let's shift a little bit to that and and just talk a little bit more about, you know, what you're spending and why you're spending and, and you know, is it cost effective? How do you know it's working or not? You know, those types of things. Let's talk a little bit about advertising on Pinterest. Yeah, advertising has been uh, great for uh, our clients. And I think the the amount we spend varies uh, within clients. Some spend, especially in the beginning, they're spending between $30 and $50 a day because we're testing so many different things, like what, what interests are people engaging with, the creatives, all of that stuff. But then on the other end, we have uh, clients spending four figures a day on app. So it's like, there's a wild difference in spend. Um, some of the interesting stuff we've seen is, actually, if I take a step back, so how we know it works, obviously you have Pinterest's uh, analytics and you have a reporting dashboard. I never liked that. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. too, it's, it's not, it's easy to use, but it's quite difficult to find the good data. You can see the basic data, but to, dig, to find the good data, you really have to open up campaigns and dig in mm-hmm. uh, to the data. But what, so what we did is uh, we built a data team within my team and we created our own custom dashboard that is live. It's a live and living document. And it updates in real time. This goes out to all of our clients and it d- displays all of the important data and they can open up the campaigns to see what's going mm-hmm. on and that's how that's essentially how we track and how we know typical uh ROAS that we're seeing right now is between two and four um so a decent uh, return on the majority of our clients right now some of we've had some surprising results uh in terms of the prices of products that are being sold and bought sorry on pinterest for a relatively low um spend so for example one client we're spending around uh, 100 to 150 pound a day, which is about around 200 dollars, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And people, this is a UK brand, and people are purchasing products that are priced from a um, thousand pound up to three and a half thousand pound. And these are direct sales. This is not retargeting. This is um, uh, 
conversion campaigns, just your standard conversion campaigns from static images. So the demand is there, it's definitely working. Um, in terms of account uh, campaign uh, structure, we've found, again, this not may be the same for everybody, but we found static images with good calls to action work the best for sales campaigns or conversion campaigns, but for retargeting campaigns, uh, video content and user-generated content perform or outperform any static images that we've ever done. Um, that the combo of the two, that's the preferred combination that we tend right. to use. Obviously, if the traffic is there and the reach is there, those are the two ad sets and uh, different formats of ads that we use right now that seem to be working the best. That's awesome. You have given us so much to consider to think about and, you know, think in through the strategies and the plans that we would think about if we had interest in Pinterest, of course. <laughs> uh, Craig, why don't you share a little bit about how people can reach out to you, listen to your podcast too. I think you have a podcast as well, uh, but go ahead and give us uh, a little bit more into how people can get you and a hold of you. Yeah, perfect. Thank you for asking. Um, so anyone can visit the site uh, for the agency, which is uh, pinandgrow.com. Um, I'll share that share that with you after. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that we're in the process of building, which is quite exciting, is uh, a Facebook group for Pinterest. Uh, it's specifically for e-commerce. So if anyone is an e-commerce owner, this is going to be um, pretty good. We're literally going to give away uh, all of our strategies for our organic and our paid we're just going to wow. give it all away because um we don't monetize our uh, info content all of our work comes from actually doing the work with clients mm -hmm. so if somebody can take what we do and get momentum then that's amazing and eventually if they become a client that's awesome if they don't and they continue to use our content that's also super cool as well um, so yeah, it's going to be a ton of new training, how to use Pinterest, all of the good stuff, a lot of stuff around paid ads and organic and yeah, just some interesting stuff being, being published in the group. I can share the group with yeah. you quite soon yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to get started. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Craig, again, for um, all that you were able to share with us today. I know there, we could probably talk more and more. I mean, we could talk all day about this, but uh, <laughs> just like you get lost on Pinterest all day, if you're not careful, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to set a timer, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you. And thanks for joining me so early in your morning in Bali as it is in our afternoon here. And uh, I can't to, to engage and hear more and be a part of your, your Facebook group. I am uh, just curious to see how um, we can learn and, and maybe even partner with you down the road. So thank you again. And um, until next time, everyone, enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.